multiplied, compounded in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody that agrees with that says, Amen. Good morning, Lake Church. Good to see everybody this morning. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Amen. We're going to go ahead and turn to John chapter 16. Thank you, Father God. I just reiterate what Jesse was saying about our Father, our Heavenly Father, and just want to say He is a good Father. Jesus says it's His good pleasure to give us the kingdom. Amen. And every good and perfect gift comes down from Him. Amen. He's good. He loves you, and He wants the best for your life, absolutely. And the best is His will. Amen. So we discover and walk in the will of God. We experience life the way that God intended it to be, and it is good. Amen. So I started this series last week. I know we got to get out of here and get to our little celebrations, but uh, (laughs) we're going to honor our Father by hearing His Word this morning, first of all. And I started this series last week as the Lord began to impress upon me to teach on prayer. You know, I have to admit, my first response, I was like, Lord, you got anything more exciting than that? You know, because people don't generally get excited about prayer, but we should. And God gave me an attitude adjustment in regard to that. We should get uh, excited about prayer. And the reason we aren't is because we don't understand what prayer really is. You know, actually, prayer is the means by which God and man partner together in causing the will of God to be on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, God just doesn't do whatever he wants to do. independent of his body. And so if we want to see the will of God in our life, then we have to partner with God and partner with him in the realm of prayer. You know, just for an example, you know, prophecy uh, is the will of God spoken through man to establish his desire on the earth. You know, all through the Old Testament, God had prophets who spoke what was to come so that it could be established. It was God's will, but he had to have a man on earth because God gave man dominion. He had to have a man on earth to declare it, to give him the legal access into the earth for his will to be done. So that's what we're talking about in the realm of prayer. And we need to learn how to be effective in prayer. You know, you can pray just to be praying, but I'd rather pray for results. How about you? I'd rather see the results of my praying. I know I've prayed before, and I think when we have the wrong ideas about prayer and we're not cooperating with the principles that govern prayer, then we can just be praying, we can just be spinning our wheels and not really seeing anything happen. In fact, Brother Hagin said this. He said that the, uh, the believer cannot be successful in fulfilling his purpose unless he understands how to pray according to biblical principles. And so that brings me to last week in uh, Luke 11 and 1, we read where Jesus was praying and his disciples said when he ended his prayer, Lord, teach us to pray. And that's got to be our first, uh, that's got to be the first step is that we have to humble ourselves and admit that we don't know everything. And we have to ask the Lord to teach us how to pray effectively. And effective, uh, in order to pray effectively, we got to learn to pray biblically. 
So we have to learn how to pray. And so then after that, we looked at Ephesians chapter 6, and uh, the Apostle Paul says that we should pray with all kinds of prayers. So there's all different kinds of prayers. We have the prayer of petition, the prayer of agreement, prayer of intercession, the prayer of thanksgiving and praise, which is what I talked about last week. And I made the point that the primary purpose of prayer is just communion with God, ministering to the Lord. And I think that's where we've missed it a lot, which is why the Lord led me to teach on that first, is because when we just, when we really focus and major on petition prayer, agreement prayer, intercessory prayer, those types of things, what we're doing is we're putting seeking the hand of the Lord before seeking the heart of the Lord. And we haven't understood that prayer doesn't begin with us, prayer begins with God. And our, our communion with God allows him to reveal his will to us so then we can pray his will and then he has legal access to be able to establish what he wants in our, on the earth. And so, you know, I was sharing that last week and I was so blessed this morning. One of our brothers came up and was telling me, he said, uh, man, I put into practice what you were teaching last week. And, you know, we don't just get up here to entertain you, but we really, our desire is that you take what we say and you apply it to your life because we already have. I mean, as the Lord was teaching me this, I was implementing this in my own life. And I said last week, man, my prayer time went up a notch, several notches, actually. But this brother was telling me, he said, he's a truck driver. So he said, man, I just started... Uh, you know, uh, entering into thanksgiving and praise while I'm driving down the road. And, you know, what I was teaching last week is that we create the environment for God's presence through thanksgiving and praise. And he said, man, I just started doing that. And he said, when I started to pray, I had all these things on my heart that I needed, all these needs, you know, that I needed to ask the Lord for. And I just began to thank him and praise him and you know, the presence of the Lord was just, I, I was so aware of his presence in that truck. And he said, by the time I got through doing that for a while, I didn't have anything to ask for. <laughs> because you realize you have magnified God so much that your problems seem so small. <laughs> and uh, it really cuts out a lot of the unnecessary stuff. But there are times when we have to pray because we need to give God legal access. And when he uh, through our intimacy and communion with the Lord, he reveals to us things he wants to do. And what we do is we pray for wisdom and resources to accomplish that which he's revealed to us. That's really what petition is about. It's not about me just asking for a bunch of stuff I want. It's the means by which I depend on the Lord to provide the wisdom and the resources to accomplish that which he has revealed to me that he wants to do just through my intimacy with him. See, if we, put, if we don't get the intimacy part, then how's he going to tell us what he wants? <laughs> if it's just us going in and reading him a list of things that we want, and then we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, we walk out, you know, we need to find out what his will is, because that's really what he wants to see established. So in John chapter 16... Let me get over there real quick. <clears throat> he says in verse 23, 
in that day, what day is he talking about? See, at the, day, at the time whenever he was talking to his disciples, they were living under the old covenant. And when he was talking about in that day, a day that was to come, he was talking about in the new covenant. After Jesus dies, is buried, raised from the dead, and ascends back into heaven, a new day began. I don't know if you realize that, but everything changed. I'm telling you, everything. Jesus made all the difference. And so we don't operate under the same principles that they were operating under. We don't pray the same way that they prayed. In fact, I said last week that the Lord's, the Lord's prayer, as it's called, is not even a New Testament prayer. It's an old covenant prayer. It's not even prayed in the name of Jesus. And so it's a model for sure because it starts with praise and then petition and praise. And, uh, but it's not to be recited. That was not the purpose of it. And so in that day, is talking about during the new covenant. Well, the new covenant isn't the same as the old. It operates by different principles. In fact, in the new covenant, God has already provided everything that he wills for man through Jesus. Amen. So it's not the same. And so he says in this new day that uh, you will ask me nothing. You know, up until that point, Jesus, uh, the disciples had been 100% dependent on Jesus for everything in regard to their relationship with God. And, you know, outside of that, the uh, Jews were totally dependent on the priesthood. They didn't have a personal relationship with God. In fact, they brought their sacrifices and somebody worshiped God for them as a mediator. So, man, when he's saying in this new day that uh, you're not going to ask me uh, for anything, he said, I say to you, whatever you ask, my fa ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. This is revolutionary. For them, this access to the Father personally was a brand new thing that was, you know, I guarantee you that blew their mind that no longer they were going to have to go through some priest, not even go through Jesus, yes, pray in his name, but that they had access to the Father personally. Which is what the book of Hebrews says. We have boldness by the blood of Jesus to come into the inner, the holiest place. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh. Jesus reconciled us fully to our Father, yeah. to where we have access personally to His presence and to relationship and intimacy and communion and fellowship with Him. Oh. And Jesus was declaring that this new thing was coming to pass. And so that we would pray to the Father in his name. In the new covenant, we don't pray to Jesus. We need to understand that. I remember reading a book by Brother Hagin, and he talked about that. He said a lot of people pray to Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus. Now, you can thank Jesus. You can worship Jesus. Uh, you can do all of those. Things. But when it comes to petitioning, you go to your Father. Yeah. Mm. I tell you what, it was revolutionary. They never knew God as Father. They knew him as Lord. They didn't know him as Father. And in fact, that's why they wanted to kill him. They said, he calls God his Father. <laughs> you know, and you start talking with that kind of intimacy and relationship, people kind of look at you strange. Religious people will. But I'm telling you that Jesus so fully redeemed us and reconciled us to the Father that you have access to him now. And whatever you ask him, in the name of Jesus, he says, he'll give it to you. 
Until now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. I tell you what, there's nothing more joyful than to realize that you asked the Father for something and you received it. Because you know the connection between heaven and earth has been made complete. Amen. It's so, so joyful to realize that you have received uh, from the Father. So we can personally ask in his name. Drop down to verse 26. Jesus says this, In that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say that I shall pray the Father for you, for the Father himself loves you. Man, that is overwhelming. That is overwhelming. In fact, in John 17, the next chapter, Jesus is praying, and he says, Father, I pray that they may know that you love them even as you love me. Oh, oh, come on. That means that the Father loves you, whoever you are, whatever's going on in your life, he loves you. In fact, Jesus said, I pray that the world would know this. He didn't even say that I'm praying that believers would. He was Whoever you are, wherever you are, maybe you're watching online today, I want you to know that Jesus prayed that you would know that the Father himself loves you the same as he loves Jesus. Well, I tell you what, that'll take your faith level up a notch. (laughs) You know, that we have relationship with God and access to him as Father. We were singing that song, Everlasting God. And I heard the Lord say, I'm the everlasting God, but I'm also your eternal father. Ooh, man. We're supposed to have boldness, confidence, assurance to ask the father in the name of Jesus and know that he'll give it to us. He says, you're not going to pray to me and I'll pray the father for you. Oh, man, that is powerful. You know, so many people, well, I thought Jesus was praying for us. No, no. He said, I'm not going to pray the Father for you. So you're going to have to come back next week. I'll have to straighten that up next week. But uh, I'm really excited about next Sunday's message because we're going to talk about the prayer of intercession. And it's not necessarily Jesus praying for you, but Jesus praying through you. Oh, hallelujah. So... We don't pray to Jesus and him pray to the Father. Why? Because he's reconciled us. Now we are the sons of God. Now we have access to the Father. Now we go boldly in the name of Jesus and he'll give us whatever we're asking for. So one of the things that people struggle with, let's turn over to Luke chapter 11, is the reason that we don't see the things that we ask for is because we don't have confidence. And we've been taught a lot of things that have caused us to uh, not have assurance in regard to asking God for the things that he desires to be manifested in our life. And one of the passages of scripture that's caused some confusion, and I, this really ministered to me and cleared up my thinking, and, and that's what I want to do for you today. But in verses 5 through 8, Jesus gives a parable. Now, this didn't really happen. This is just something he was saying. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. <clears throat> and he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. 
I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because of his fr- he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. First of all, when he says, which of you shall have a friend? Think of it like this. Jesus saying, which one of you would want a friend like this? Who you could call on in the night when you have a need and they would say, don't bother me right now. I'm already in bed. I don't have time for you. I can't meet your need right now. Which of you would have a friend like that? I, I would say you may know some people who would respond that way, but I would say they're not a friend. The thing about this parable is it's not a comparison. Because he goes on and he says because of his persistence, the guy will go ahead and give a, get up and give him what he needs. In fact, you know, people say that basically the guy just kept knocking, kept asking, kept bothering him until he finally gives in and gives him what he wants. But actually, that, it doesn't say that he knocked again. It doesn't even say that he asked again. It just says, uh, this is translated persistence. But when you look in the original language, the word is unashamed. Because he's unashamed uh, in his regard to his asking, the guy's going to go ahead and give him what he's asked for. You know, I was meditating on this, and this is what I, this is what I heard. That he asks and the guy says, don't bother me, I can't give it to you right now. And I hear the guy saying, well, what kind of friend are you? <laughs> I thought, wow. You know, I, not, not that he was asking again, well, what kind of friend are you? And he was unashamed in his stance to get what he had asked for. In fact, if you look, I was looking in the Young's literal translation, which Young was a Greek scholar, and he translates it like this, where he says, uh, I have nothing to set before him. It says this in his translation, I have not what I will set before him. Man, think about that. What a faith statement. He was not coming to go away without what he needed. Listen to that again. He said, I have not what I will set before him. Man, that's where we miss it. He was unashamed in his asking. One of the biggest hindrances to us receiving is we're ashamed to ask for things. And one of, the, one of the things I was meditating on this week is especially when it comes to resources or finances, the world has made the church feel ashamed in the area of finances. And I'm telling you, the Lord wants us to be unashamed. I was praying in here and I, I heard the Lord say, do you think I'm happy when ungodly men have billions of dollars And my sons are trying to believe for a drop in the bucket. Oh, I don't believe he's pleased at all. I don't believe he's pleased at all. The ungodly men have the resources to just impact and influence this world at will with money. And then the sons of the kingdom have been made ashamed by the world and the devil in regard to finances. And so we're not being unashamed in our asking. Because God not only wants to meet our need, but more. 
This guy was unashamed. This is a contrast. This is not showing us how we should deal with God. It's, it's showing us how, um, that God, it's not showing us how God is. It's showing us how he is not. It's a contrast. In fact, read the next verse. He says, so I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks find, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Listen to this next verse. And if a son asks for bread from any father among you, Will he give him a stone? Suddenly, Jesus goes from a, a person asking a friend to a son asking a father. Yeah. I don't know if you caught that or not. He's contrasting the fact that you, listen to this, you wouldn't even expect a friend to te- treat you that way. Oh, come on now. You wouldn't expect a friend to treat you that way. Why in the world would you think your father would treat you that way? Oh, my goodness. We see, we approach prayer like God is reluctant to answer and that we've got to persuade him or we've got to talk him into doing what we're asking him for. That's totally wrong. He has already responded toward us in grace. He already wants to meet our need. And in fact, if we're getting his will in prayer, then we should definitely have confidence in the fact that whatever we ask, we're going to receive it. Who of you would have a friend like that? Well, I'm here to tell you that we're not asking even of a friend. We're asking of our father. And that's what he's saying here is he's saying, if any son... If a son asks for bread from any father among you, that's talking about any, any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Listen to this. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, there's the contrast, how much more will your heavenly father give? <laughs> Will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So now you might be saying, "Well, see, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about resources." But listen, if He get, would give you the greatest gift, then these other things—that just goes right along with Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-two. How shall He not, along with His own Son, give us all things? Man, if God was willing to give his only son to die in our place, to die for us, to die as us, to redeem us so that we could receive the promise of the spirit by faith, how much more does he not want to supply every need that we have to fulfill his will and purpose in this life? See, it's not, we're not asking of a friend who maybe will, maybe won't. We're asking of the father who already has decided in our behalf. But we've let religion cheat us of our reward. We've let religion shame us to where we're ashamed to ask because, you know, the devil comes along and goes, well, how dare you ask for money, you greedy thing, you, the filthy lucre of the world. Come on. That's just a bunch of garbage. That's just the devil trying to make us ineffective. In having the resources that we need. Because listen, if we're always 
uh, struggling in the area of finances or what? I don't even know why I'm talking about finances, but whatever it might be, it takes our focus away from the things that we should be doing and accomplishing. I mean, when uh, Peter came to Jesus and said, well, hey, we got to pay our temple tax, what did Jesus say? Just go throw a hook in the water and the first fish you catch, open his mouth and it'll be there. Come on, Come on now. <laughs> Jesus talked about money more than any other subject. In this world, this world system works by finances. The Father doesn't want us to to not have enough. In fact, he wants us to have, as this said, that the, the friend would rise and give him all he needs. Come on, if a friend's going to give you all you need, the father's going to give us all we need and then some. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. You know, there's another parable, which I'm not, I'm just going to refer to it. But in uh, Luke chapter 18, he talks about the unjust judge. And people also make this a comparison, as if God, as if the unjust judge is representative of God. <laughs> That's another contrast. It's showing how that uh, God isn't, you don't have to badger God. In fact, let me just say this. If God doesn't want to give you something, you're not going to talk him into it. <laughs> He's not like a human father that says, just go ahead and give it to him. I'm tired of listening to it. <laughs> no, no, he's not like that at all. Turn to Mark chapter 11. Let's look at, uh, see, because prayer is governed by laws. You know, Jesse mentioned uh, spiritual laws earlier. First, our confidence should be in our relationship with God. Second, our confidence comes from that we understand and operate by the principles of God's word. If we have those two, that's the, that is the formula for answer prayer. Don't get the wrong idea when I use the word formula. It's not a formula. It starts with relationship. That's why I taught that last week. But God has already blessed us with every spiritual blessing Operating by spiritual law is simply how we transfer spiritual things to the physical realm. Okay? The things God gives us, God blesses us spiritually, but our faith is how we take spiritual things and make them manifest in the physical world. That's what faith is for. In fact, in Mark chapter 11, this is the story of when Jesus was walking with his disciples and he cursed the fig tree, and he just kept walking. And the next day they came back by, and the disciples were like, Look, Master, the fig tree you cursed, it has withered from the roots. They were astonished. They were amazed at it. And Jesus says here in verse 22, I believe it is, Have faith in God. And then verse 23, he teaches them the faith principle. Because listen, faith is the law that governs transferring things from spiritual realm to the physical realm. In fact, James said, without faith, let that man not expect to receive anything from the Lord. So in, ver in chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus says, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, 
and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. First of all, your words are how you release the authority and faith to bring spiritual things into the physical world. But Jesus does qualify. He says, if you doubt not in your heart. And I think a lot of people struggle with this because if they have any inkling of doubt, they think, oh man, I've just negated my prayer. But this word is the word diakrino in the Greek, and it means through judgment. So what it's saying here is that when you, condem- when you are condemned in your heart, you're ashamed, then that is what can negate the working of your faith. If you are condemned, because listen, here's the thing. If I asked you all, how many of you believe that God can raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons? Every one of you would say a resounding yes. So our issue isn't with God's ability. Our issue is with God's willingness. And specifically with his willingness to do it for or through you. That's where we start to struggle. Why? It reveals we're condemned in our heart. We don't feel worthy. We think that we are not worthy for God to do for or through us something supernatural. In fact, I was saying this in the first service. If, God forbid, somebody died in this place and we brought them up here and we said, hey, we're going to raise them from the dead. I guarantee you everybody would be excited. They would be coming up here to look see what was going on. But if we suddenly said, hey, you, I want you to come up here and you be the one to pray and raise them from the dead, your excitement would turn to fear. You know, yours might not, but most, a lot of people would. Why is that? What changed? Oh, what changed wasn't God's ability. It was your belief that God would use you to do it. Oh, what does that reveal? It reveals you're condemned in your heart. Oh, my goodness. I hope you're getting this. So in verse 24, that is the principle of faith. And faith is what is necessary to see the things that God desires to manifest in our lives. Verse 24 says, Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray... Believe you receive them, and you will have them. Here's the key, that when we pray, we have to believe we receive when we pray. And he says, and then you will have them. The problem is, a lot of times we pray, and then we look for evidence that something has changed. And if we don't see any kind of the physical evidence that something changed, we go, well, I guess it didn't work. The problem is, is that we don't realize that just as Jesus cursing the fig tree is that when we pray, something happens in the unseen. Just as the fig tree was withered from the root and when Jesus spoke to it, there wasn't an immediate evidence on the outward that anything had happened. But Jesus did Jesus wasn't, he just cursed it and he kept walking. Oh man. 
And he never thought a thing about it. But then the disciples the next day, they were like, oh my gosh, master, look. He wasn't surprised. Why? Because he knew when he prayed, he received. Oh, come on now. See, that's the problem. When we pray, we have to believe we receive when we pray. And faith is the evidence. <laughs> faith is the evidence, not some kind of physical manifestation changing. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. Uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things that are unseen. Listen, if it's manifest, you don't need faith. Faith is, is the evidence of things that you have not seen made manifest yet. But if you believe when you receive when you pray... Then what would be the next step? Thank you, Lord. I don't know who said that, but that is the, that is the response, is, to, is thanksgiving. Because thanksgiving is the language of faith. If you believe you receive when you pray, then you're going to be thanking God that he's already responded. See, that's where we miss it, is we... You know, we think we have to keep asking God till we see it. Rather than having confidence that whatever I ask my father in Jesus' name, he'll give it to me. And realizing a lot of times from the asking to the manifestation, there may be a period of time. It may be short. It may be long. It may be one second. <laughs> But nevertheless, it might be longer than that. For Jesus and the fig tree, it was 24 hours. But we thank God knowing that when we prayed, we received. And we hold fast our confession. And I'm going I'm to close with this. Here's the other point where we negate our prayer. Is that the faith principle says that we will have whatever we say. Your saying can negate your praying if your saying isn't in line with your praying. That's what it means to hold fast your confession of faith. Is that once I prayed, if, if I believe that I've received, then from then on I am declaring that I have received the answer to my prayer. What? When, when I prayed, I received. Whatever it is that I'm asking, I already have it. By the evidence of faith. Oh, man. So you have what you say, not necessarily what you pray. You pray, then you continue to say until you see. Oh, man. You believe, then you see. It's not you see and then you believe. <laughs> There's no belief required when you've already seen and had the manifestation of it. So the persistence or the uh, unashamedness that was talked about in the parable is not a persistence of asking. It's a persistence of faith. It's persisting in faith until you see the manifestation. And not allowing shame to cause you to be condemned in your heart, but to enter into the prayer of thanksgiving and praise 
for the fact that you have already received. Because listen, we cannot violate the laws uh, of prayer and then blame God for the outcome or the lack thereof. We can't violate these things and then blame God. Well, I guess he's just said no or, uh, you know, whatever our excuse is. But we have to persist in faith. We have to know his will for asking. Know his will for asking. You know, in 1 John chapter 5, it says this. If we ask anything according to his will, we know he hears us. And most of the time we think of that as if we ask according to his will in regard to what he wants us to have. But it's actually according to his will for asking if I ask according to biblical principles, he hears me. That's the confidence. It says this is the confidence or the assurance that we have in him. If I ask anything according to his will for asking, then I know he heard me. And if I know he heard me, then I know I have. Because Jesus said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. <laughs> you say, well, you're saying you can ask for things that aren't God's will? Yeah. I'm saying that faith can bring some things into your life. Well, doesn't the Bible say that uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue? You know, Israel asked for a king. It wasn't God's will that they had one, but they got one. We have to understand the principles that govern faith. And so sometimes I think we pray too quickly. And I'll leave you with this. We need to, before we pray, here's the thing. I think we just jump out and we pray so quickly. And uh, we, need to get in, we need to be in the prayer of communion with God, getting his will. And we needed to get in the word and formulate our prayer according to biblical principles until faith comes. Because faith doesn't come by prayer. How's faith come? By hearing and hearing by the word of God. You know, faith doesn't come by you praying. A lot of people think, oh, I just got to pray a lot and then I'll finally get into a place of faith. No, you need to go to the word and then you can pray. And then your prayers may be short, but they'll be effective. One of the reasons we pray super long prayers is because we don't actually believe we're receiving when we pray and we're just praying until we see something happen. Oh, man. Jesus prayed short prayers. Lazarus, come forth. Young lady, I say unto you, arise. No longer shall any man eat fruit from you. I mean, these are short prayers. But they're effective prayers. Why? Because they were prayers prayed in faith according to the principles that God uh, laid down or that govern faith. We need to be unashamed and immovable because we're going to have to know how to pray in these days that we're living in right now. As I said last week, who knows if we're going to end up in a lion's den or in a fiery furnace. I'm telling you, we need to know how to pray. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den because he was a man of prayer. In fact, that's what got him thrown in there to begin with. (laughs) 
Amen. We need to be, we need to understand how to pray. We need to be people of prayer because powerful people are prayerful people. Powerful people are prayerful people. People who know how to pray according to biblical principles know how to cause God's will to manifest on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. And speaking of that, you know, if there's anybody here this morning that you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, we would love to join our faith with yours and help you. You know, the Bible just says if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you confess with your mouth that you'll be saved. Amen. It works the same way with everything else. Listen, if you're struggling with some kind of sickness, disease, disorder, addiction, I don't care what it is, that if you'll get faith in your heart and these people, these ministers that are going to be coming forward know how to get you to that place where you're able to receive and you confess without, out of your mouth and you'll be delivered, you'll be healed, you'll be set free and God loves you. He's your father. And he wants you to be free today to enjoy this Father's Day. So these ministers are going to be up here. I want to encourage you, don't leave struggling. Leave rejoicing. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.